Hello and welcome to another episode of The Podcast, a cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. As always, you're joined by your boy, Heavy Days, here from the Upside Down Library. As usual, we want to give a massive shout out to our incredible sponsors. As always, huge shout out to CTNN, your number one spot for all the best and brightest breeders, the hottest and most recent drops, and a guarantee on satisfaction, not just germination. Why would you go with anyone else, guys? Going with seeds here now means that they promise you'll be happy at the end of a harvest. If not, drop them a line. They'll sort you out. They only stock quality breeders, including the likes of Heavy Days Genetics. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Go pick some up, maybe, eh? Likewise, a huge shout out to our friends at Pulse Sensors. These guys have everything you need to keep your garden dialed in. From temperature, humidity, VPD, PPFD, all the parameters you can't track with a simple thermometer are holding your garden back. Getting a pulse sensor will allow you to take your crop to the next level. More resin, more flavor, more yield, whether you've got a single tent, a single room, or a multi-state operation. It's time to get serious. Get a pulse. A massive shout out, as always, to our good friends at Copet. These guys are the world leaders in pest and predation technology. If you're battling spider mites, check out the Spidex Vital Plus. Now coming with special release sachets so that you don't have to spread a medium over your garden and instead you just let the predators crawl out from the sacks that you hang on the plants. Truly another game changer from the world leaders. Trust me guys, you don't want to have to go up against a spider mite infestation without having adequate predators on hand. These are truly the best predators in the game. Try it once, I promise you'll see the quality. Massive shout out to Copet. We appreciate you guys so, so, so much. Thank you for all the support. Likewise, huge shout out to our newest sponsors, Dynavap. You know them, you love them. I've been harping on about how good the M series is for a long time. Truly, help me get off bongs. If you're trying to become more health conscious of your smoking habits and transition to vaping, I cannot recommend Dynavap enough. It is not battery dependent. It is incredible engineering, designed and owned in America. What more could you want, guys? Delivering the upfront potency, flavor, and massive, massive effects that you might expect from a bong, all in a much healthier vaporized option. Huge shout out, Dynavap. No doubt you've heard about the fantastic products being offered by Organics Alive who offer dry, powdered, organic fertilizer solutions for any stage of the plant's life. Get the vegetative formula, the bloom formula, the transition formula. They've got a range of alternate products that will suit any problem or stage of life your plant is in. Whether you need high calcium, low potassium, high phosphorus, medium nitrogen, they've got something that's going to help you. These guys have been picking up awards left and right, and it's no surprise why. Organics Alive offers incredible organic products to help all of our listeners produce the best crop today. If you want to try a product that truly revolutionizes how you grow organically, check out our friends at Organics Alive. Massive shout out. Likewise, a huge shout out to our friends at the Patreon gang. Without the Patreon, we could not do the show. If you're interested in early access to upcoming episodes, unheard exclusive Patreon content featuring interviews with the likes of Bodhi, Mean Gene, Trichome Jungles, so, so, so much more, 
you've got to check it out. We've been doing Discord sessions every fortnight. I've started doing molecular biology lectures and we give away genetics on the regular. Why would you not want to sign up to the Patreon, guys? You score yourself a load of swag that justifies the price. Please consider supporting the Patreon if you love the show and would like to see episodes continue to happen. Huge love to the Patreon gang. On this episode, my friends, we're joined by the one and only Landrace Ninja, old school head, coastal connoisseur, KGU from Coastal Genetics. Here to talk all things Landrace, Equatorial Sativas, Colombians, upcoming projects, so much more. Let's get into it. Alrighty, gang, we're back for another one. And on this episode, we are extremely grateful to be joined by the man behind Coastal Seeds, the land race lover, the equatorial enthusiast, and old school Santa Cruz head, Kagyu of Coastal Seeds. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, you've been asking me to come on for two or three years, so sorry for the delay, but uh, we're all good. Look, I am stoked to have you on, and I know that a lot of our fans have been very eager to hear from you. I'd love to start off by asking, what have you been smoking on recently? Um, recently, I've been smoking some uh, Irene Colombian that I bred. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, turned out extremely nice, uh, very strong, very greasy and oily buds um i got uh, the irene cut from uh uh radio ridge um uh two years i think two years three years ago i guess and i wasn't familiar with uh, irene and uh i was looking I, I had requested a couple things to work with that i normally don't work with uh would be some of the cuts that are going around and the irene was included in there and it turned out to be uh extremely uh extremely nice also been smoking some uh uh ziwataneho tie are you familiar with ziwataneho I mean, I was going to, I had a question about that for you because we had a, a fan who was very interested. And for anyone who's seen the Shawshank Redemption, I'm sure they're familiar with the term Zewatanejo. So can you give us a bit of background on that one? It seems really exotic. Well, um, a friend of mine uh, uh, was in uh, Mexico in the early 80s and acquired it down there. And. Um, I just recently got it uh, seeds uh, um, two years ago, and I ended up crossing it with a uh, 72 tie stick that I got from uh, Jim uh, uh, James, who recently passed away from uh, Alaska Cannabis Cash. Um, I don't know if you know him or not. Yep. Yeah, we did an interview with him. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. It was actually probably, you know, just about a month before he passed away. So I was, you know, obviously very saddened wow. to hear of his passing, but it was sort of good timing that we were able to record some of his thoughts. 
I'll have to go back and uh, find out where that is. I'd like to listen to that. Yeah, I'll send you a link. No problem. Yeah, he was on his way down here to, uh, to chat, and we'd been talking for, I don't know, six months or so, and we're both old-timers, and we had a lot of things in common from the early 60s and 70s, and uh, he kind of he kind of opened up, and I opened up to him on some certain old strains and stuff, and uh, I was I was very uh, lucky to be able to uh, connect with him. He's a never really met him, but I mean we talked a lot on the phone. He was a really nice, uh, really nice guy. Yeah, hugely. That was definitely my takeaway from uh, our discussions. Just a really generous, nice guy. So. I mean, you've sort of got this line that's in a sense in his honor, you know, when you crossed it to his 72 tie. What what were the effects and the smells of the end result of those seeds? Um, the Iwatanejo tie uh, has a real uh, uh, juicy fruit, strong juicy fruit flavor smell. And... Uh, you know, I don't know if it's, I'm not sure where it came from because I had never grown that particular one before or the 72 tie. Um, but, uh, uh, one way or another, it's in there from one of the, one of the two. And it's, uh, uh, very strong, uplifting, long lasting. Um, it's one of the, one of the best old, uh, Landrace uh, Mexicans, Zihuatanejo, uh, um, Nayarit, there's another one there, that's another one, and um, Purple Zacatecas, that's another one that I've been working with also. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, kind of interesting. I'm going to probably grow that out again um, this year and um, see how it. Uh, See how it turns out. That's beautiful to hear. And look, I'd love to jump into some Mexican stuff. But before we go there, I just want to quickly ask, I know you've got a lot of experience with a range of different Thai varieties. How would you say this 72 Thai stick from Jaime compared to some of the others you're familiar with? Um, well, I only grew it last year, but I mean, um, it wasn't... Uh, as airy as I thought, and um, uh, I basically seeded everything, so I really didn't get a chance to um, smoke it unseeded. But uh, it was uh, uh, exotic, uh, from what I can remember from the old Thai, um, kind of a uh, well, not lemony. Um, I'm not real good at explaining the. Uh, flavors and stuff but uh on traditional tie I, I grew some uh lemon tie before from another uh fellow that lives over in thailand and it was very very extremely long flowering um lemony whereas the this tie stick that i grew would seem like that matured quicker uh narrow leaves definitely pure um, I'm excited to uh, uh, smoke it again and uh, and um, 
see what I think because I really didn't get a chance to smoke it without having a seed in there. That's very exciting. We'll all have to keep our eyes on that and see how the project unfolds for you. I I did want to touch on some of the Mexican stuff because you're the only person where I've I've had two different breeders. I distinctly remember both Bodie and Mr. Bob Hemphill saying that totally unrelated, you know, at different points in time, they both said to me that they think your knowledge of Mexican cultivars is second to none and that you've got a lot of experience with them. So that's quite an accolade from the two of them. And so I'd love to hear. John Snow High is much more knowledgeable on the Mexicans than I am, but uh, it's nice of them to say that. Uh, yeah, look, I think every, everyone, you know, sort of acknowledges John's wisdom. But, you know, on that same line of thought, I would love to ask, can you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite Mexicans? You know, obviously there's a lot and I don't expect you to touch on everything, but just maybe some of your favorite ones. Uh, well, we share a lot of those. And they, we uh, a few years back, we both grew quite a few. And um, um I'd say off the top, uh, the fav- my favorite Mexicans would be the Nayarit, um, Purple Zacatecas, of course, uh, Zihuatanejo, um, Chiapas I grew years ago, but I had a problem with it, and his uh, was the same genetics that uh, Snow High and I had. He seemed to do better with his. I think I might have had a little too much... Uh, too rich a soil for that because it uh, had a little bit of intersex issues, which it shouldn't have. And I think it was, I'm not really sure. I think it was probably that. And we had a kind of a weird year that year. So the plant might've been a little stressed out. I'd say that uh, those are, well, I mean, well, how can I, I like also, but those, those are my, probably my favorites. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, Mishwakan, and that was another good one. Uh, I haven't grown any of that in a while. Um, yeah, I think that those would be the my favorites so far. Wow, what a diverse range of plants there. I'm sure a number of listeners have just heard that and thought, I haven't heard of half of those strains before. How would you describe the Mexican varieties for people in general? Because I think that for most cannabis growers, you tend to hear a lot about Thai varieties and Southeast Asian varieties, but you don't hear as much about Mexicans these days, but they are having a bit of a growing resurgence. How would you describe the general effects and flavors of Mexicans if people were interested in them? Um, I think probably you don't hear about them as much as they're getting more difficult to find the pure lines down there. Uh, Bodie was down uh, in Mexico uh, oh, a couple, two or three years ago, and uh, he only could find, uh, I think, three pure Oaxacan mines, whereas the year or two before that, he found, like, I think six or seven. So they're getting harder and harder to find, but um, I think a lot of the old uh, timers down there or maybe grandkids or sons of some of the old growers down there have preserved some of the old land race and not caught up got got caught up with the cartel growing bullshit down there and uh you know and and you, you probably more than likely have to go to these obscure places to find it i don't think it's 
would be quite as easy for just somebody to go down there and really find the cream. It's it's not impossible, but I think it would be difficult. I might be wrong, but uh, helps to know somebody and uh, have a connection down there for sure. Uh, as far as the uh, the facts, um, there a lot of them are up high, happy, giggly. Um, some are way more expansive. Good expansion. Um, they can get quite large, like a lot of plants. Uh, large colas. Um, I haven't really had too much many problems with intersex issues with uh, the Mexicans that I've grown, but I think all all uh, all uh, land race strains have some that uh, do have those um, issues. And like I said earlier, uh, a lot of it can be caused from uh, stress on the plant, rich soil. Um, light depping will force the plants to flower and a lot of them don't they're well aware of when they need to flower to to uh, finish um i would i have a real special connection with uh the plants on a uh you know spiritual basis i guess i don't know that's really not quite the term i'm looking for but um they're they're uh they're a they're a, a little entity in themselves and they they uh like you bring something like say from mexico or say thailand that's a whole different um range of uh temperatures over there and bring the seeds over here and grow them they're gonna gonna go till some of them february i grew some uh last year that i got and just to grow them out and they were growing till february and then finally finished um and i haven't worked with them since i didn't have that many seeds but you know so the plants uh uh have an inner clock and when they are ready to flower and when they are declaring sex so when you sometimes people force them just back to this light depth um i found that some of the land race don't really care for that and they'll you'll get intersex issues I'm not saying all of them but some yeah wow i mean that that certainly makes sense that they've you know evolved over these you know hundreds of maybe even thousands of years to to sort of recognize where they are and be in certain um, environmental parameters you mentioned a few times that you know these lines can be more sensitive to the environments that they grow in do you have any tips on how to grow any of these old world strains because i think a lot of the advice you hear online is that a lot of the equatorials, for example, they really want a more mild nutrient profile. So I'd love to hear, what's your style? Do you just use soil and let it go? Or do you like water in teas and nutrients? What's your approach? Um, on my land race, I've found that they don't really require uh, much fertilizer. Um, I usually use a mild, uh, maybe one or two times of a bloom. And I don't. I don't normally uh, use any uh, nitrogen. Very, very small amount. Across, uh, I would maybe use a little bit, but uh, I haven't been the last uh, quite a few years. I don't really use much fertilizer. I've never been a heavy uh, fertilizer person. And um, yeah, they. Uh, 
I even had a really weak uh, soil mixture one year, and um, I can't remember what strain I was growing, but uh, it burned the leaves like I had given it a big blast of uh, nitrogen. I looked at it, and I went, wow, I couldn't believe that. And I watered it through, and then just uh, it didn't uh, feed it anymore, and it snapped out of it, but it just really burned it heavily. It didn't uh, want that. I mean, they're growing with uh, really uh, a lot of the soil is poor, uh, you know, rocky, you know, different soils. And they've, they've evolved to extract what they need out of the soil. So, yeah, I mean, they'll tell you what they need. We just get in tune with the plant. Yeah, I love that. They're, they're yeah into that more mild just see how it goes and that all makes sense as you said because you know historically they weren't grown in you know like modern cannabis medium just to quickly jump back to the mexicans i remember a while ago i heard mean gene talking about the strain dolores and i know that you've got some experience with it could you tell us a little bit about the backstory of what you know and how it grows how it flowers um, I grew a little bit of that. Uh, the Dolores is an old uh, strain from the 50s, and Beatniks brought it into Big Sur. That's the story that I got. And uh, it's a real, uh, it's, a, it's a rare one. Um, I grew uh, three plants uh, last year and uh, just to grow it out a little bit and uh two of which were very nice tighter buds and one was a little more airy and they had like a uh uh what is that uh like a spearmint um smell to two of them whereas the other one didn't um yeah, Ryan uh, Radio Ridge had come by and he was looking at him. He had never really smelled that smell before. It was an unusual one. Um, yeah, they're, uh, I want to work with that again. I have to do a seed increase because I don't have a lot of seeds. But um, I grew some uh, oh, about eight years ago. I got from a friend of mine that he got in Big Sur from a family up there. And theirs was crossed with uh, something because it was just a very indigo dominant. And uh, that's all that I could get at the time. And then uh, um, I found out that Gene had some that he wanted to give me. So that was real nice of him. Oh, right on. There you go. Okay, so it was related. I, I just thought maybe it was coincidental. I'd heard him talking about it. That's cool to hear he passed it on. And I think when I spoke to him, he said that he had heard a story that it might be like half of the Big Sur Holyweed. Have you got any thoughts on that at all? Because I know you've got some experience with Big Sur Holyweed. No, I don't think so. I There's so many stories on that. I never did ever meet the guy that bred the Big Sur. So it's like uh, all the stories about all these different uh, obscure strains and a lot of stories come out, but you have to really do your homework and then you still might not find out the, the real story. But uh, the story I, I got was the Big Sur was uh, Zacatecas in, uh, in Afghani. So. Yeah. Okay. And, and do you have any, like, what can you tell us about the Big Sur Holyweed in general, or at least the one you've worked with? Um, 
there's two uh, different uh, um, expressions. There's a purple pheno, and then there's a more of a green pheno, and uh, the purple one's uh, quite a bit stronger. Um, not overly powerful, but I mean, it's, you know, not any of this crazy THC percentage like these guys are doing nowadays, but um, I don't know. I think it was like 22 or something, but plenty though. And uh, I don't remember. I don't think I ever really tested it for the different terpenes. I might've been an old test from the SC labs or something. I'd have to look back and see, but it's, I haven't been doing much testing these, these years. Uh, it's expensive and uh, um, I just can't, you know, I grow, maybe I'll grow uh, 10 different strains or so. And I can't really go, I, I can't really go and test 10 different strains for terps. And I could, I guess, but I really don't want to spend the money on it. I mean, if it's for a particular documentation or for uh, something like that, I, I would do it. But um, I think I'm going to do a few this next, this year here on a couple of them. You know, I have to. I have to look for a lab to use, uh, but yeah. So they're uh, they're uplifting. Uh, pretty good uh, length of uh, effect. Couple hours, three hours. Sometimes they can get pretty big. They got good branching. Nice, nice structure. Uh, good size. Uh, good size flowers. Um, once in a while, you have to stake the branches up because they can get uh they can break you know not always but wow that's cool to hear like as in like the stems are thin or like they've just got so much weight on them they can't support it no they're not thin they just break at the base they get so heavy uh uh the buds get so heavy and the branches are huge the the christmas tree um symmetry and they get out there and um some of them break some of them and i just uh tie them up if i can get them uh, the same day uh or early the next day and pull them to where the break goes back up into the main stem they'll heal you got to pull them up quite a bit to make them seal and then they'll regrow again um I've, I've had really good luck with that I love it. Plant doctor at work. <laughs> yeah. If they're damaged too bad, they've been left on there and I hadn't noticed it for a couple days uh, and they're really wilting real bad, I'll just cut it off. Sometimes they make it and sometimes don't. If it's just too far gone like that, I'll just take it off. But I normally don't miss that. I can plant numerous times every day. That's cool to hear. I'm glad. And and just to take us back for a second, you mentioned that um, you'd heard the Dolores was brought in by the Beatniks. I had heard that you you've been living in sort of the Santa Cruz area during the golden years of cannabis, and so I, I wanted to know: Did you have any experiences or stories with like any of like the Bowl crew or like any of the lines they brought in and just in general, what was it like living on the coast back then? Any memorable stories? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of memorable stories. There was a lot of uh, Brotherhood hash coming in, oil, hash oil. Um, I actually found a couple of seeds in a, 
uh, hash patty from the Brotherhood and when I lived in uh, uh, Bonnie Dune. And uh, I grew those out, and they were they were so strong I couldn't smoke them. I don't know. I don't even know what kind of where the hash came from, Kabul or. <laughs> Uh, I, I I don't know. I never I never did find out, but that ash was I never I liked it. It was good, but it was just too strong for me. No wonder they make hash and the hash. I'm not a real big hash smoker either. It's just I've got asthma, so I, I can't really uh, I don't really enjoy getting all hacked out, coughing all the time. But uh, yeah, and it uh, there was some a lot of good tie came in. Uh, uh, Hash, like I said, the hash oil, um, honey oil was from those guys, and um, and that that was the time the the sixties and the early uh, actually late sixties, early seventies. Then that was when the the Nayarit came in one time. I don't know if they brought that in or not, but uh, and then uh, Zacatecas also, and then of course there was. Oaxacan and uh, uh, Acapulco Gold, then too. But that was a heyday. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Um, I met a few of the lower level Brotherhood guys, uh, you know, in passing, having a drink downtown with some other friends. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really involved with them. I didn't really know them. They were around. Wow. What what amazing experiences you have. And as like a follow-up, do you remember when they first started bringing the Indicas in and, and did it change the game immediately or was it more of a slow progression away from the Sativas as the Indicas rolled in? I don't really know when they brought in those, to be honest with you. Um, they may have brought them uh, over to Hawaii to grow because I, I know that uh, I think the tie was too long of i'm not I, i've never grown over there so i don't know what their seasons are like i know they have three or four seasons and um i got a guy that i'm going to probably ask talk about it he was involved with them kind of up there with them i'll have to ask him i've just recently uh um got to talk with him and i i sent him some of my swazi burmese colombian actually he wanted to um, smoke some of that. I, I thought he would like it. He's a sativa guy. So yeah, that's something that I'll ask him, and maybe I could find out for a later uh, discussion or pass that on to you at some time. Yeah, wow, that would be great. That would be really awesome. But before we step away on to talking about some Colombian stuff, which I'm really excited to do, I just wanted to quickly ask you. I'm not sure if you're aware, but. There's this strain in the community called Super Freak, and it's like this mutant type of plant, and a few breeders are sort of doing their own thing with it. But that plant originally comes from a pack of coastal seeds. It's from um, the Banana OG cross Big Sur Holyweed that Bam did. And so I wanted to ask you, does it feel like, did you, were you aware of that? And, and also, you know, does it feel cool knowing that like your company and the people a part of it help produce something that's, not just like a memorable strain that lives on in clone form, but like something that's actually gone on to pave its own sort of breeding progression and breeding projects in and of itself. How Were you aware of that and how does that feel? I was not aware of that, no. Um, 
I remember a friend of Bam's uh, was doing the, I believe, the Banana OG. And, uh, yeah, no, I wasn't aware of that. I'm not in touch with uh, with that guy. And I haven't talked with Bam in a while. But we did, I mean, when we talk, I haven't talked about that. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's great. Uh, I'd like to find out a little more about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a what, really... What, what do you know about it? Well, it's like it's a super unique plant in terms of the morphology. It looks like a fern from a jungle and not like a cannabis plant. And it's sort of akin to if you've seen the Australian bastard cannabis photos over the years where it's just like a plant that doesn't look anything like cannabis, but it is. It's just a mutation. But it's obviously... There's a lot of breeders out there trying to make hybrids that are uh, that like smoke really nice but have this very incognito sort of look where you know you can hide it in plain sight so to speak so i thought like that's that's like a really cool thing because a lot of breeders you know let's say 50 years from now like we may not have anything around that from our work we've done but i i suspect that super freak will still be around because it's truly unique so i just thought that was cool i wanted to mention it to you yeah i kind of remember there was a large population uh when uh, Bam took me out there to see all that go growing, I'm trying to remember. There might have been some kind of mutated things there. I can't. Remember. It's been a long time ago, and I wasn't paying much attention to that particular strain myself. But um, um, I knew that it was a it was a good breeding, and it was it had potential. And I know they were growing a bunch. I don't know what they really ended up with with that project, or if they were still working with it or not um i lost contact with the guy that was growing those well i want to delve into some colombian stuff because you've done a number of crosses with it but before we go there i want to quickly ask you because i'm sure a lot of people are wondering what is it about the old school strains that keep you coming back and you keep working with them is it the case that they have something more to offer than what the new school has or is it the case that the new school is missing something that you're looking for? Um, probably a little bit of each. Um, the old school stuff uh, doesn't uh, have the real high, high THC like a lot of the new flavors of the month have. Um, and uh, I think the terpene profiler very unique in the old uh, land race lines or or even the old heirloom lines and i think that uh that they're in time they're going to find a lot of uh, cures coming from pure land race lines um hopefully i'll be able to see some of them um and i'm i'm uh i'm looking into different terpenes i i kind of put it on the wayside but i'm looking into different uh terpenes right now that uh I'd like to uh, breed for and encompass that are uh, cancer fighters. They fight tumors, and and uh, that's that's something that I'm hope to finish up here, and or finish my research anyway yeah. in another year or so. Um, yeah, so you know the the you know the all the places where the land race is most of them they all want our stuff and then people like me i want their stuff because it's not polluted and then i can work with those pure lines and 
you know, I mean, they're they're really unique. I mean, I mean, if you've never grown them before, they're they're not going to they're not. Uh, you got to read that plant. I mean, the plant is it acts different. And like I said, they don't really require much, except uh, you know, I I use uh, I have a filter out back, and and it's uh, takes care of the chlorine and the chloramine. I eliminate that and that's just that's the water that I use. Um and I've got plants with it and they seem to tolerate it but I don't I, it kills off a lot of the good bacteria and stuff so I don't I don't I don't use regular water on my plants. Did I cover that all right or what? Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Okay, so they're a bit more sensitive to sort of those more minute factors that come into play. I would love to to follow up. You know, you mentioned these cancer-fighting strains, and I think a lot of people would be interested in that. Do you think that it comes down to the uh, cannabinoid profile, the the terpenes, or is it just sort of a holistic mixture of all of the above? Um, I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I I would think that it would be a a combination of all of the above. Um, I mean, they've evolved over the hundreds of years or longer, thousands of years, some of them. And, uh, you know, like a lot of the hash strains, they just bred them for making hash and whatever the requirements they were looking for, they bred for that. However, they did that. I don't really know. I haven't done any research on old hash breeding, but, um, yeah, it's uh, they have a lot of, of things that they've acquired in their gene pool that uh, you're normally not going to find in some of the newer strains. I'm not saying that some of the new strains may not have it, but most are probably won't. I might be overthinking that, but that's just my opinion. Sure. Look, that's a sentiment we've heard expressed by other guests, so I don't think you're going too much out on a limb saying that. And just to quickly divert for a second, because on a personal level, I wanted to ask you this. Like, you were referencing how it's getting harder to find the, the pure stock. How is it that you go about finding new stock or leads on new stock? So, like, if, for example, someone messages you and says, hey, you know, I've got some Thai or some Colombian from the 90s, do you find that you have to approach that with sort of a, a, an element of suspicion or do you find that most of the time it, it pans out to be pretty reliable? Um, I don't approach it as with suspicion, but I do talk to them and, uh, um, you know, ask questions and this and that. And then if I have anyone that I can um, reference in regards to them to ask questions, I, I would. But uh, I've been approached quite a number of times and from Thailand, a new friend in Mexico now. I met a couple of years ago from Snow High. And uh, I gave him some seats. He came up here and we met him and his wife and had a nice chat. And uh, and uh, well, I've got a, a one friend in France um, that I get my uh, Swazi from. Um, he just recently uh, sent me some F5s of the Swazi that he's been working with. It's an old line from uh, Swazi line from Afro Pips. I've been growing that Swazi for 
uh, eight years at least, the F2s. And uh, anxious to try the F5s. I'm going to put a little dusting on it with something. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, this is the first year I've, uh, I haven't, uh, I don't really, I'm kind of winging it. I don't know what I'm really doing as far as in life for my breeding. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's just, uh, I've got some things started. I have some more that I'm going to start. We could talk about it a little later, but I got a, I can give you a list on what I'm doing, but yeah, so I'm, uh, had small things that I hadn't grown. I bred them and hadn't grown them like, like the Nairi Columbia. And I bred that uh, four years ago, along with the Zacatecas Columbia. And I had isolated some purple pinos and some green pinos and uh, crossed them with my uh, Colombian red that I use. Um, it's my best Colombian that I have. <coughs> Uh, you keep you keep teasing us. We're we're gonna get to the Colombian, but I'm I'm worried we're gonna go down a rabbit hole. So I got to bang out some of these peripheral questions. I I wanted to ask you because you you just referenced Thailand in the prior question, and you know obviously in the past sort of six to twelve months they've they've opened the floodgates of legalization, and from my point of view, it seems a a bit. You know, I hope people don't mind me saying it seems very much like it's the Wild West over there. And I've spoken to some Aussies who have gone over there to try to do things and they very much describe it as the Wild West. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on if you have any feelings on the way things are rolling out in Thailand and if you suspect it may be better or worse for the overall preservation of Thai varieties. Because from what I can see seems like they're growing a, a lot of, you know, American cookies-style stuff. How do you think that'll play out long-term for the Thai varietals? Uh, it's going to be a problem. It's already a problem. It's going crazy over there. Um, I, I have a good couple good sources over there for pure lines, and they go away from uh, the big touristy places, and they've met uh, a lot of the locals. They live over there, and they met a lot of the locals that are – still underground and they keep those uh pure lines and um yeah my friend told me the same thing they're old cookie cookie boys over there <laughs> <laughs> there's all kinds of new strains over there and that's what they want they want that he went into some of the dispensaries i don't know about all of them but some of them there's no land race in there they're just uh og or whatever whenever they wanted had somebody send them over or bring them over. But I think within, uh, I don't know, it's already getting polluted over there. It's just a matter of time before it's going to be just difficult to get pure lines. You're going to get uh, with some uh, people that are preservationists um, like myself and, um, that's not an easy job being a preservationist. It's a lot of work, and um, you got to grow those for year years on end, and uh, eight nine months or or so, some less, and then make your seed, and then you have a fresh batch. Um, yeah, so some of that that I grew uh, this last year. Um, I think it's got potential. I was real surprised. It wasn't airy at all. It was fairly nice uh, 
nice flowers. Um, I'm still letting them cure. I'm not going to pull with them for another month or two because I noticed that uh, that needed a, a, to get a good cure. Yeah, I'm looking to, I need to do a seed increase on that. Um, yeah, so I think it's uh, going to be more difficult. It's going crazy over there. It is a wild west. Um, my couple of friends have gone over there and I think they went over and acquired some things and yeah, it's when you open things up, it just, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Certainly. I know that, uh, I saw, I think it was today. In fact, I saw that, uh, it, the, the greenhouse seeds official Thai coffee shop has opened today. So unfortunately it looks like Arian and the crew are probably going to help speed up that transition by introducing super silver haze hybrids to <laughs> to the tire market but uh you know on to something a bit more promising which is that a lot of fans messaged me and wanted me to ask you about the hibiscus tie it had really grabbed a lot of people's attention and i think using that purple coranto or how, however you pronounce it i'm 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 good at mispronouncing names um it seems as if that's really grabbed a lot of people's attention. So I'd love to hear from you. What can people expect from the hibiscus tie? Any specific traits they should be on the lookout for or any purposes you might recommend it for? Um, well, uh, the hibiscus in itself is a, is a beautiful strain. It's a purple corinto um, female crossed with a uh, puna butter male uh, um, Hawaiian heirloom. And... Um, that was grown, uh, and it is still being grown up in Seattle uh, by uh, Kiona. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Yeah, um, great crew. I sent uh, John uh, seeds of that years ago, and it's gorgeous. I mean, talk about bag appeal. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. Um, there's pictures posted from them, and then I have some on my my Instagram, too. You can look at it. It's, I mean... It's a it's it's a it's a it's a gorgeous flower. I mean, that's all I can say. I mean, it's just beautiful, and it's got the um, that really nice uh, Colombian effect. Um, whereas the tie cross, uh, I did. Uh, let me think how many. Yeah, I did uh, one, two, three, four plants last year, and. Um, Actually, my initial uh, thought was I didn't particularly like the breeding, the way the structure was, or not the the, the structure. The uh, the the structure was fine. Was the the buds? They uh, seemed a little airy to me, but they smelled good. They smelled like the original hibiscus uh, that the the that Hawaiian uh, Colombian. And, uh, but then, uh, it's being grown out at, uh, Radio Ridge and I saw some selections out there that are very promising. Now I've changed my mind now. So I'm going to, I didn't really, I uh, wasn't sure if I was going to release that or not, which I haven't yet. Um, uh, now I've changed my mind It uh, um, we're looking for some, uh selections of that and i think it's got some uh good possibilities and yeah you know, 
I was expecting a bud formation like what I saw it, uh, when they grew it up in Seattle at Kiona, but it wasn't. It was way more airy. Um, but you know, you need a larger population. I'm limited on what I can do here. I can't. I, I live in town, so I can't grow a whole thousand plants. I mean, um, the most I I can grow, I could I could do a grow out of fifty, maybe. And that'd be about it for me. Maybe seventy-five, but I'm pushing it, and I'd have to keep them pinched down. But anyway, so uh, uh, I need to grow that out again. Um, maybe I'll. I, that's something I probably should grow out. I might as well just get it over with and grow it out here while they're doing selections out there to see. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that so, uh, yeah. That's very promising to hear. And you mentioned in a prior question and sort of touched on it like tangentially in this one about, um, you know, making seeds and having to do seed increases. My first question is, how often do you do seed increases on old lines? Do you have a certain time frame where you think, oh, we've reached that point, better do a seed increase, it's going to start to fall? Or is it more individualized to each line than just a specific time frame? Um. I don't know. I've got some. I, I mean, I've got some that are, are gone beyond what I think they need to have a seed increase. But I only can do so much. Uh, I don't know. Every uh, seven years, maybe, maybe sooner. Um, something like that. They're stored properly. Um, but they're all a little different. I mean, I have uh, the the hibiscus is. Uh, I haven't done a seed increase, and that was bred in, uh, I believe, 2013. Uh, I may be mistaken, but I think that's right. So they're, you know, they're getting older. Um, they've still got a good germ. I mean, I I germed a bunch a couple of years ago, and I got like 95%. So they're still, they, they, they need to be, that's a, that's a strain that I, need to do a seed increase because it's such a a beauty uh, yes yeah, that's, that's a i'm really happy the way that strain came out yeah lovely lovely and i uh, like as a follow-up do you have any tips or recommendations for people trying to crack old lines uh, um not any 100 uh, percent things but i mean i just heard a uh, a friend of mine uh, was just telling me that he uh, seeds. He gets an aloe vera leaf and slits it in on the end there and opens it up and puts the seeds inside and leaves them overnight. And then uh, either puts them right in the soil or in a paper towel. And he's had extremely good luck before. I've never done that. I've tried uh, uh, aloe before, and I've tried... Uh, help and i've tried uh soaking beans and dumping the beans out and using the yellow water i got a little result on that um actually that was from a friend of mine uh classic seeds in oregon told me that he had had good luck with that yeah it's i don't know and then um then again there's uh embryo rescue which i'm not adapt to that i don't know i yeah i I, I haven't approached any lab because I 
have embedded them and I really wouldn't want to just have any lab uh, do a embryo rescue. I don't want to feel, I don't want to sound like I'm weird about it, but I mean, genetics are rare and, you know, you got to do your due diligence. But that's all I'll say about it. I mean, but it's on some of them, they're really rare. You, you could find a, a place that does uh, embryo rescue or uh, Maristem uh, work. Um, that would be a way. Yeah, certainly. I think we're all holding out for the sort of artificial embryo tech to become more mainstream. And I, I think there's definitely some truth to what you said. You know, after everything that happened with Phylos, I think it's only reasonable to have a, a sort of an element of, um, you know, as you said, maybe not suspicion, but you got to, you know, keep in mind that bad things have happened in the past. So uh, definitely probably one of the most fan submitted questions we got when I let our Patreon supporters know this interview was coming up was that people wanted to know, how do you go about selecting males with the old world and equatorial lines you tend to work with? Do you have any specific tips? Do you select one male? Do you use a mixture of males and do like a pollen mix? How do you go about doing it? Um, I've done, uh, I've used one male and I've used multiple males before. Um, actually the, uh, Columbian crosses that I did, I had four males. There were two, uh, conical males with branches kind of upright. And then there were two males with the traditional, uh, uh, Christmas tree branching. And, uh, they both, uh, had a good stem rub. Uh, they smelled good. Um, I had selected uh, those out of about uh, 15 males. And then, um, like the tie, I had one male. And it was, uh, I did an open pollination. I just let it rip in the backyard. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I've got, I got so many seeds off. That. I'm just going to do some, uh, some very select uh hand pollinations this year and and uh and um, from now on i think i'm just going to be doing uh, limited releases because uh, i've got excess of seed on some things and um i would like to do some bulk uh sales at some point but i haven't figured out uh, uh where to go about that um i'm still working on that so yeah hand, hand pollinations uh um i use uh one or <clears throat> I've never used more than four males. And the only reason I did that with four males, that particular Colombian that I spoke of earlier is extremely um, uh, productive and it's uh, it's an extremely strong breeding tool. Um, so I, I, I got a, a big, uh, a large amount of uh, uh, germplasm on that. So getting different uh, four males was likely way to do that. That's at the time. Sometimes you, when I select them, I mean, you know, you, I look for branching. I look for uh, stem rub, uh, vigor. Um, they don't necessarily have to be big. Um, good structure. You know, just all around uh, uh, healthy uh um uh, plant if you're lucky enough to get trichomes on it that's a bonus 
Beautiful stuff there. Beautiful. I would love to ask you, how do you do your open pollinations? We had Tom Hill on the show not too long ago, and he says that he doesn't cull anything at all. He said, you know, even if there's like a male that's like ahead of the pack, he'll just ta- he'll just like top it, just take the head off it, cull all those pollen sacks and just try to keep it so that everything still sort of begins dropping pollen at the same time. He won't even cull any of the runs. And I thought that was really cool because never really heard people discuss how they do it how would you describe your open pollinations is it similar is there some degree of selection what's the process um yeah it's a that's a real interesting question because out of runts have come not the strain runts but runty plants or odd uh, plants uh, can turn out real unique in different different ways I normally don't uh, keep the males of those, um, but uh, um, I could see where Tom would do that just to keep that uh, that genetics uh, um, full instead of uh, taken out because you never know. I mean that that runt could have something in there, a real special terpene or a, or uh, something in there that's. Uh, extremely unique and and um and um evasive i mean maybe uh maybe it's not something you can normally find you never know it's uh plants are these this weed's a funny plant um i mean i've, I've looked at some plants and i had to look at them numerous times i'm going i'm trying to figure out what it's doing <laughs> even as long as i've grown and uh like a Congolese years ago, I had the weirdest plant, man. I, it took forever to flower, and uh, I couldn't read it at all. It just was <laughs> nondescript. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> got off track there. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't normally breed with uh, uh, runty males, but I don't see anything wrong with it uh, if you're doing a uh, – a preservation uh it's it's uh it's uh, worthwhile doing it sure and in general how do you approach making your crosses is it something that's conceptual where you sort of sit down and you think about one plant and you think oh this is really going to pair well with this other one or is it more based on feel and intuition and you just sort of let things happen and then whatever starts striking your interest afterwards you pursue that further normally i have it uh sort of planned out on what I'm doing. Um, like I said earlier this year, I don't. So um, I'm not sure what I'm going to be pollinating. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've uh, had a plan before and then found some males that I like and, and cut the tops off and brought them in the house and collected the pollen on a, on a dinner plate. And then um, let it dry up two or three days and put it in the freezer and then keep that pollen for another day. Or if I decide to use it, uh, uh, I would still keep it in there until I'm ready for it. Um, and, uh, you know, go from there and then, uh, yeah, it's just kind of, some can pop up out there and you just kind of change your mind or, or modify your, 
your thoughts on how you're going to do your breeding. This year is going to be way different because I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do uh, quite a number of hand pollinations, but and I have to be uh, be out there with a dead calm day, I'll tell you, because I can't lift those big pots somewhere else. But uh, they're smaller, some are tents. I, I got a couple of tents, but I've, I'm not I'm not an indoor guy, and I, I need somebody to help me set those things up to to where I could uh, start maybe doing some pollinations inside or some seed increases. Yeah, I just never got into the indoor. Um, it's got its points, but I'm I love growing outdoor. I mean, I if I was trying to do an indoor, I'd be a hack. I wouldn't be any good at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it brings up a good question. Do you think that it's possible to run some of the land race stock you work with indoors, or do you think it would just simply be like too uphill of a battle? Yeah, no, you could do it indoors. Yeah. Um, You'd probably, uh, you just have to watch it and uh, maybe not try and rush it too much. Um, yeah, I did, uh, let's see, what did I do? I did, uh, let me think which land rice I did. I did a, I don't think I did a, well, no, I did do, I, I did a, uh, that I got from some elderly couple in South Africa, and they were fine in there i didn't have any um i just i don't remember how long it took it took a while it wasn't 24 weeks or anything like that but um i just let them go and then um made my seed and then that was it um and that's 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 one that i they're getting older they, i need to do those again too but uh talking about it yeah if you were to see my seed collection you'd probably shit yourself <laughs> i don't know i look at it sometimes and i go oh my god man how do you get <laughs> i can't pass up a good trade or uh if i'm looking for something and i haven't been able to find it and it comes up i'm going to try and get it and uh yeah so yeah on uh we could probably talk about this a little later on the quiet electric i could talk about that now or a little later However you want to do it. Yeah, jump into it now. Tell me about the Kawhi Electric. Okay, I got uh, two different Kawhi Electrics. I got one from a friend of mine who actually bred it, and he had crossed it with uh, Afghan number one. That was my original Kawhi Electric that I worked with, with the Colombian, my same Colombian. Gorgeous plant, big buds, beautiful. And then my latest uh, Kawhi Electric I got from... Jaime, and uh, we got to talking, and I had asked him, I said, hey, do you, you don't run across the Koi Electric, do you? And he says, I've got it. Oh, yeah, what do you know about it? He asked me, and I told him, and he says, you know, I, I know where the gate is. I was electric. He was an electrician over in Hawaii. Anyway, he knew all about it and knew where, right where the place was where my buddy had had his grown and uh so i've got the Kawhi electric that does not have the the afghan number one in it that that i have to do a seed increase because i got a small pack but i did do uh some crosses uh with that uh i did the tie with that this year the tie stick Kawhi. 
that's going to be uh that's going to be really nice yeah that's those are really good sized buds very greasy similar greasy oily looking like the um irene colombian i don't normally get flowers like that and that's my you know i mean some of the newer strains may have it i don't normally pull with those but um but anyway so yeah two of the the two uh choir electrics are both equally as good like i said the one's got the afghani number one and then the other one's just a pure line um and uh you get all kinds of stories about it and the one i got was from my friend <clears throat> um who i've known for or close to 35 40 years he sent his friend over to afghanistan another surfer a afghanistan and he brought back seeds and that was the original koi electric that my friend had now, i didn't get a chance to talk to jaime about that but um he grew that out and then uh then my friend got a bunch of these afghan number ones and they were, were even at the time they were kind of rare um he crossed uh the afghan number one with the uh, koi electric and that's that's what that one is and then the other one yeah i didn't get to really ask him about that i, I i'm so distraught about him dying like that i mean you know we just it's just like you know besides that i mean two old guys get to talk about their times smuggling and selling slinging bags and strange you had in the 60s Man, i don't have I don't I got a handful of people I talk to about that and none around anymore <laughs> or you know they're gone or or uh years ago I I wouldn't imagine myself talking on here talking about this stuff ah you come out of your shell a bit that was a real underground private game, man. I guess it must be a big surprise to see the way the landscape of the cannabis community has changed over the current years. Do you think it's going to continue to evolve and become more and more mainstream? Or do you think to a certain extent there's still going to be like a small group of really hardcore passionate people and then the majority of people are just sort of more in that casual category? Um, I think it'll progress, but I think more and more people are becoming aware of the the land race. And of course you have to be set up to you know grow that especially outdoors if you have a place and uh it's not uh i think most uh well i, I shouldn't say most a lot of the younger uh growers want faster maturing genetics you know because they're into it for um a different reason than i am um but uh yeah, I never had a problem with it. I mean, it just, it's not something that, uh, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, I mean, I think that one of the Emerald Cups nine years ago, there wasn't many people doing the land race that come up to talk to me at the booth. And then as time went on, there's younger guys coming up and asking questions. So it's getting out there. And um, I wrote a couple articles years ago and, um 
one uh, from High Times. I'm not a High Times proponent, but they asked me to write something. I had a friend that was a one of their photographers, and I wrote a land race article in there. I think I don't remember. I think it was Burmese and Swazi. I think was in there, but uh, and then a couple things with uh, Skunk Julie at Skunk Magazine. Um, but you know, I'm hoping you know, it'll become more and more uh, people working with land race. Um, they'll probably work with land race crosses because that's um, going to speed them up. Kind of hard to say, actually. You know, you got that uh, those guys out there that uh, all they're interested in is the money. And they're driven for that. You know, and they want to do as many crops as they can quicker. I want eight weeks, this and that. And then there's people that are not growing for that. Um, they're they're looking at it in a different way. They're looking for terpenes. They're looking for uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, different things. So sure. that you don't really normally get on hybrids. Or the newer versions so it's kind of hard to say you'll be able to find out after i'm long gone <laughs> uh, look hopefully you're still with us for a long time i wanted to ask you you mentioned it a question or two ago that you had some experience with the the congo and i know that there is that santa cruz red congo are you familiar with that one specifically have you had any chances to grow it or was that the one you were referencing in the earlier question or was it just a general congo seed line you had no that's that's a, another guy i know I, I i don't have that uh the red congo is across i don't i don't really uh know for sure that's that's not what I'm growing. I, I actually the Congos that I'm growing, um, one of which I got from somebody at the Emerald Cup, and there was no name or anything, but I do remember that. I don't remember who the guy was, and I was so disappointed. And they've been sitting back there, and and I germinated them. I got a good germ. I've had them for six years, probably. Um, I'm not sure if it's purple green red i don't know what congo but i figured i'd uh uh grow them out i was really disappointed usually i uh i make a little paper and write it in there but it was so busy a couple of those times at the booths uh i didn't have time to do it um real hectic doing a booth at the emerald cup yeah i know that the one or two times I swung by the booth when you were there, it was it was all hands on deck. Do you foresee yourself doing any of those again in the future, or do you feel like since the uh, legalization that the the vibe at the Emerald Cup has changed? Um, I don't foresee myself doing it. I'd have to have help, and you got to be licensed now, and uh, it's. I don't know. I've had, I think, I don't know what Bodhi thinks about it. I don't know if he was all that keen about it last time or not, but I don't know. It's changed and it's, um, if it would have progressed the same way, I probably would have kept on doing it 
if I'd have my my get my same friend to help me. I just gave him the money. It's an old high school friend. Uh, not a high school friend, but a friend I've known for 40 years. Um, and, you know, and then I could, uh, and he'd hand me the seeds and I'd give it to the customer there. But it's, uh, yeah, it'd been a couple of times I was just doing it by myself and it was making it crazy. <laughs> that, well, that one last year, I think Bodie had a line clear out the door. He he said he'd never do it again. <laughs> I said, man, you, you, you had the following going clear out the door, man. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember that year in question. It was it was insane. Yeah, yeah, that was good. We we both had a real good year on sales. I don't know what he did, but I I did pretty good. Yeah, that's good to hear. That was the year when you had the parquet, right? Um, I'm trying to think what year. The last year, that was uh, uh the last year they had the. Uh, Emerald Cup before they changed over, whatever year that was, um, four years ago or something, three years ago. Might have been, yeah, twenty seventeen, maybe. Yeah, yeah, whatever that year was, that was the last time I went, and I think a couple people went the following year or two, and and then you know, it's, well, you're kind of limited. I don't know. If you, I mean, I'd, I'd maybe go there to look around, maybe, um, and see what people are offering. Yeah, I'd probably do that. Sure, sure. Look, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned, you know, talking about seeds in your collection a question or two ago, and I love to ask all breeders, especially those with like the really cool old world strains, what are the seeds in your stash that you're most excited to pop? And as a follow up, what are some of the seeds in your stash where they're really rare and that, you know, they're probably so old they won't germinate, but, like, if the technology was available, you would love to get to those ones? Uh, man, I've got some really old Colombians that uh, that I tried uh, two or three years ago to germinate uh, a couple of different times and didn't. I've got some... Uh, lamb's bread um from europe that may germinate but it's from two different uh groups over there um let me think some moroccan uh you know i, I should have had my list of all my land race i have like a big list of all my land race and then i'm not really prepared for that. <laughs> I, I honestly some Lebanese. Uh, I, I grew some Lebanese uh, a few years back, and I was thinking of maybe doing that again this year. Some uh, Lebanese blonde, and then some red. The blonde uh, had Hermie issues. The red turned out pretty nice, actually. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to. I, I honestly don't. I couldn't even name. Uh, 20 of the rare ones I'd, I'd have to go in there and look i've got i don't i don't really i've got some old afghanis uh probably some mexicans there's some old mexicans that's about off the top of my head i don't know i think i think we're all very jealous even of those ones you can remember so some beautiful stuff there as a quick follow-up how do you store your seeds long term uh 
in the fridge, some in and some out. The ones I'm using now, I, I don't keep in there. But um, yeah, I, I guess the best way uh, if you're doing long term is uh, vacuum seal them and put some uh, rice maybe or something or and then um, put them in the freezer because my buddy had some uh, he had some 50 year old seeds that were frozen and he germinated them I just talked with him a couple weeks ago and I went wow that's impressive Jesus yeah I can't can't say I've ever heard of anyone being able to get 50 year old seeds to go that's that's really really special yeah He's a, he's an OG like me, so I don't know. He knows something that I don't. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pick his brain. I know a little bit about it, but that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You mentioned Bodhi in the last question. I wanted to ask you because we had one or two Patreon submitters ask the same question, which was, "What was your experience with the American Skunk Selection? What was it about it that you decided to work with it, and what sort of smells and effects do you get?" That's a real unique one. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. You'd, you'd think it's going to be a big, big skunky thing, but it's it's really not. It's It's got kind of a weird gross smell. <laughs> Steve Steve would be the one to, to uh, tell you about that. But, um, yeah, and it's, it's unique. It's got some that uh, has hardly any THC. It's got some with uh, moderate to semi-good THC. High CBD, low CBD. Uh, Bodhi likes uh, the lower CB, the lower THC CBD, high CBD. He had a couple that he picked out. Um, you know, I don't know. I just was. Uh, I had talked to him. I asked him, "Hey, you want to do a collab? Yeah, I'll give this and that." And then that American Skunk came up, and I said, "Yeah, I'd like to try that." So I did, and um, that's a real good one. That one. Um, uh, I'm going to be hunting some stuff on that. Um, that needs to be grown out a lot. There's a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff in there, and uh, I think I, I think I I'm getting ready to uh, probably grow some of those out at uh, Radio Ridge also, and uh, do a large population. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. You've mentioned Radio Ridge a few times. Do you plan that in the future people might be able to get some of your selections in cutting form from them, or is it more just like a a collaboration you have to help test some things on a decent population level? Um, well, that's what I'm working on on some clones now. Um, uh, one of which that regards for is the uh, San Fernando Valley OG cross with uh, Colombian really nice uh it's uh they like it out there they had uh don't quote me on the numbers but there was like 50 50 cuts and uh we're down to like three or four now you know i didn't select them i mean i saw them after they were selected uh they're uh yeah when I first bred that, um, I wanted to try something that was main, more mainstream to cross with my land race. And then Ryan had originally had bought, brought that out to me. And then that's when he brought out the Irene also. And then there was another one, a motor breath. And uh, what else was there? There was uh, the headband. Yeah, the headband. That's another one. Boy, that that was a good breeding, the headband Colombian. Um, 
but anyway, yeah, so there's uh, me doing, I'm going to be doing some more germination out there in uh, June or so, I think, and start uh, making selections. And then, you know, if we find anything really super, we'll start selling some clones. There's already a couple that we're probably going to come out. Um, the hibiscus tie, I, I'm really going to be pursuing that one out there for sure. Um, the Irene Colombian, the SFV Colombian, the Swazi Burmese Colombian. We grew that out. That turned out really nice out there. Uh, that's just a few off the top of my head. That's beautiful. Everyone needs to keep their eyes and ears open so they can go get some of that verified, you know, authentic keeper phenotype stuff from the good folks at Radio Ridge. Yeah, you know, Excuse me. I think they're 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 not. I don't. I don't think they're using that name anymore. I think they're using uh, Hayes Valley Nursery. Uh, I think. I'm pretty sure Hayes Valley Nursery. So yeah. Um, so I'd put them up there. I don't want to be. Everybody knows them by Radio Ridge, though. Yeah. Sure. Well, look. Keep your eyes out, everyone. Go get it, nonetheless, because it's uh, some killer stuff. Direct that's uh, Kagyu approved and. Before we move on, you just referenced, uh, you know, Bodhi enjoying the lower THC, higher CBD stuff. I have a surprising number of people message me wanting to ask you about the Coastal Seeds release of your Panama Red and specifically, you know, because it does have that CBD, CBG sort of um, genotypes within it. Can you tell us a little more about this line, where it come from, what people can expect from it and any tips for selection? I acquired that from uh, originally from uh, Snow High, and uh, as a cut, and then I got seeds after that. Bob Hemphill did the selection on that when we were doing things together. It's uh, a beautiful strain. It's uh, beautiful to grow. Uh, it's easy to grow. Uh, it's a forgiving plant. Doesn't really require much, and it's got. I don't have any lab reports or anything, but it's got pretty high CBD and some CBG in there too, I think. <clears throat> Very nice. I mean, I've released a lot of it. Um, I haven't lately, but yeah, it's an old, uh, old line. I mean, I, I'd, uh, I'd like to one day grow out uh, some other that's uh, pure out of that that wasn't selected and work with that a little bit. Yeah, nice. And, and out of curiosity, did you ever try any memorable Panama from when you were a bit younger or is this sort of the first one you've had experience with? Well, I tried it years ago and it was just briefly, there wasn't much. I got a little bit from a friend in, uh, uh, 71, I think 70, 71. <clears throat> um, you know, it was memorable Colombian, you know, like type, um, uh, nothing really stands out. I mean, it's, uh, Panama Red, it was, I mean, like the good Colombian in those days, like the Colombian Red I liked in those days better than the gold. Um, it was more of a brown, brownish gold, golden weed versus the gold, pure gold, brown green, um, real sticky. Um my buddy had these, uh, I call them wheels. They were rolled up, you know, like hay bales they do in the Midwest? Yeah, yep. 
Yeah, they were. It was in a tourist or uh, it was a roll like that, and he had like I don't know three pounds, three or four pounds. And I said, "Oh, let me look at that." And I, you know, he said, "Oh no, I got the gold." I, I said, "No, I'm not interested in the gold. I want to look at the red." Everybody wants the gold. Come on, man, let me look at the red. So I was looking at it and sticky, smoked it. Man, forget it. I bought them all. I loved it. That was the best. Uh, it was comparable uh, to the Panama red in a in a way, but it's so long ago. I, I I don't really remember it all that, to be honest with you. I mean, there was so many Mexicans coming through, and then those like the ones I mentioned earlier, they were really top notch. So as far as remembering that, I honestly don't. It was that's a long time ago. I I don't remember. I think if I would have had a choice of uh, the two, I'd take my my Colombian. I'm, I'm I, I can still remember. I can still remember the Colombian red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful stuff! And we're just about to get to it. But before we do, I want to quickly ask you: take me back to the beginning. What was your first experience with cannabis? Um, my first experience was. Uh, right when I got out of the Navy um, in uh, 1967, July 67, actually, a buddy of mine and I were going to this bar in town. And uh, he says, hey, I got a joint. You want to try it? And I said, oh, man, I've been wanting to try some weed. I, I was afraid to in the Navy because there was rats in there and I was afraid of somebody ratting me out and going to the brig i didn't i didn't pull with it um but uh that was it that was my i smoked some colombian he had the colombian red and uh we smoked i don't know i smoked i don't know four or five hits i got really stoned and it's first time i got stoned and we went in there and had some beers and, and that was it that started it off that's beautiful. I, I think, you know, myself and many others out there can only wish that their first experience with cannabis was with a mythical Colombian. Did that light the flame inside of you to pursue it further or was it further down the line that you were like, you know what, this cannabis stuff, it's really speaking to me. i got to do this more. Um, no, I mean, I liked it right away. I didn't start breeding until... Uh, First time I started breeding was uh, when I was in Bonnie Dune, and then there was a long time frame in there where I didn't because I was uh, I had a another job in Woodland, uh, a regular job, and uh, so I had a break from it for quite a number of years. But you know, when I uh, was in Bonnie Dune, I remember what year that was. Two or three, I think. Then I found the seeds and the hash, and then I had some, I got some Pakistani seed. I had some Mexican, um, trying to think what else, no Thai at the time. Um, yeah, that was uh, the first time I grew and bred. And then I didn't for a long time because I, I went elsewhere. I had to put it on hold. Wow. Incredible stuff. And, you know, was that first cross a success? Was it intentional? Was it sort of preservation only? Give me a bit of a rundown. I take that back. 1969 is when I first grew. 69, yeah, not 72. Uh, um, no, it was intentional. I wanted to see what I could do. 
I, mean, I was kind of curious, didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I'd never grown it before, you know, so kind of, and I didn't have really anybody to really talk to about it because you didn't in those days you kept your your business to yourself if you were smart. Uh, uh, yeah, so I did some reading and that was it. I, I got my out of a couple books because I really didn't have anybody to talk to about it in those days. I was just going to say, you know, as you referenced, there wasn't a ton of people openly doing it at that stage. Were there any people you looked up to at that time or was it just really the one or two people who wrote the books? No, I didn't really look up to them. I was just, you know, getting into it and I read some things. I don't even remember what books they were. There were some older books, uh, just, to, you know, basics to where you could tell if it's a male or female or and then, uh, I mean, I, I met one of the RL that used to grow the the haze, actually. Um, he heard about me up there. I don't know who mentioned it. I, don't, I, I was kind of, I didn't really leave there much. I was hauling water in 55-gallon drums. It's a definite gorilla farming in those days. Yeah, no, I didn't really... Uh, didn't really uh, talk to too many. Understandable, understandable. Do you remember what was the first name strain that came around? So, like, obviously, you know, you had the land races and they're called their respective origins. You know, some people say, oh, you know, train wreck was the first name strain I ever grew. Do you have any sort of experiences like that? Do you remember the first? Uh, not in those days. I, I mean name strains now i mean what i'm working with i mean Electric. i mean uh sfb i worked with that that one year uh there's another one uh that i want to pursue more it's uh i don't know if you've heard about this or not the ant of Baruch. have you ever heard of that strain yes i was gonna ask from the old Doug cora collective Doug cora yeah exactly yeah yeah, can you tell us a bit about it? I, I, all I know is that it's a, it's a rare Pakistani. Can you give me any more details? Uh, no, no I, that's all I know about it. it. Was a rare Pakistani. I mean, I looked it up online one day, and I don't know what I was looking for. I found Dirk Cora. Uh, I was looking for something over there in Europe. Uh, was it blue hemp? Some rare. Pardon me? Was the strain you were looking for called Blue Hemp? That's another famous one from Dirk Cora. No, no. No, and I saw that one and I went, well, you know, I'd like to, it looks interesting to me. And I read it and thought about it. And then, uh, if I remember right, I couldn't get them to ship over here. I had a buddy of mine send it over from Europe, if, if I remember properly. Um, I think at the time they didn't send seeds over here. You couldn't get them. So I had, I got a couple packs. No, it's beautiful. It's a real tight. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, actually, it reminds me quite a bit of uh, Bodie's uh, American Skunk, the the bud. It looks looks similar. Whether it's, I never really thought about it too much. I wonder if there's something in there that's common. I don't know. I have to talk with Bodie about that. Yeah, it's, it looks similar. It's got a real good size tight buds it turns uh you know uh purple in the winter 
for all the people that like the purple. I mean, I like it. I mean, I'm not, I don't breed for that, but I mean, um, but it's, it's a, it's a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous plant. And then, uh, cross with the, uh, Columbia and I need to grow that out. Um, I grew it out when we were working with another nursery when we were licensed and, um, that's the only time I saw it and it turned out beautiful. Um, um, but I, it's got to be grown again. So, but it's, it's got a lot of, uh, uh, beautiful aspects to it. That's really interesting. Cause I noticed it's, it's one of the few sort of Indica lines you work with. And while we're on that topic, you know, I wanted to ask you a bit more about, one, your thoughts on the various Northern Lights lines. And as a follow-up, can you tell us a little bit about the NL1 line that you and Mr. Bob have used over the years? I know that it comes from Classic Seeds originally, but could you give us any more info on how you got it and what sort of traits it is has? Um, I got it from uh, Classic. Uh, he got it from a source. Uh, that's when uh, I'm not sure who the person was but uh it was around a similar year or so time frame when he got uh the romulan from romulan joe um and he had got a uh classic got a hold of me and said hey i i'm running low on these northern light ones can you do a seed increase and so i i made some in the tent and uh there's like, uh, I think I've got four or five females, uh, different ones. Honestly, uh, I haven't worked with them all that, worked with it all that much. Uh, Bob has. Um, that's another thing that uh, so many things to do. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I have to grow it out. I haven't really, uh, it's ironic. I mean, I, I should have worked with it, but I, I haven't. I, I went in on to other things um sure it's like the afghani number one i'm gonna work into do you have any memories of like nl5 nl2 or any of the other nl lines or did they never really leave much of a lasting impact on you no i i mean i, I i've never grown them uh, um i'm going to be getting a uh nl5 cut from a friend of mine and up north that's supposed to be real special um, everybody likes the NL5s. I'm sure if you did like a huge hunt, the NL1s got some good things in there. And that's something that we will be pursuing here um, in the near future. Yeah, gorgeous stuff. And as a final one for the Indica questions for the moment, can you tell us anything about the red leb that comes by way of BAM? I know that, you know, Coastal did a release with it. Do you know much about it? Not much. The only thing I know, and I think I'm right on this, is it came from uh, Howard Marks. Uh, have you heard that? Yeah, I had heard that that it was uh, came. The seeds came from his collection and were given to friends, and it sort of made its way to us via Bam. Is that what you heard? Yeah, I I heard that it came indirectly from Howard Marks. What more provenance could you ask for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, an old hash smuggler. What the heck? I mean, how good does that get? 
<laughs> I think it's about time we moved on to the strain everyone's been asking us to talk about, the Colombians. And from my perspective, I think Colombians have really become more popular in the past recent years, especially with the community having an active discussion around how big of a part Colombians played in the original inception of Hayes and that maybe some of the real special effects Hayes is known for actually come via the Colombians. Before we delve into some of your work with the Colombians, I'd love to ask, do you think that some of the magic that we see in the original Hayes comes from the Colombians? Yes. Punta Roja, I think. But I I don't know 100%, but I, I never talked to the the guy that bred those, so I I don't know, but I'm I think so. I think later on maybe they crossed him with some things, but uh, I, I that's all. I, I'm not really sure. So that's what I have heard, and then I'm sure other people have heard many different things. So that's I don't know which what is the truth and what's the story. <laughs> Yeah, sure. And have you ever had like a, a decent discussion with the guy? Because you're you're saying you you've met one of the Hayes brothers, is that right? No, no. That you know, there's this thing about the Hayes brothers, and I'm going to stick to this. There's basically there were three guys from New York that came out here and bought the Hayes, and they called them the Hayes brothers. That's the story I have. The guys that grew it down near. I don't know if they were brothers or not, but I knew one guy that was uh, close to the people that grew it, um, Robert. Um, but we never talked about it. We smoked a little of the haze, and then he smoked one of those joints that uh, I made the hash that came out of the hash. And uh, that was the only experience I had, we talked a little bit and then that was, I never saw him again. Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, uh, I'm still trying to find this one guy to get to the bottom of it. Uh, he's around, but he's, he's, uh, hard to find, but I, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a driven guy. If I can, I will. <laughs> I did get some, uh, original haze seeds that are fairly fresh uh, but uh, I'm going to germinate those there there's some that are original ones that are older or 30 40 years old and then there's another batch small amount that are you know under 10 years old um, they should be able to germinate and uh, that needs to be uh, I don't think I mean you know there's stuff from uh, there's other haze out there but I don't I don't know if any of those are the real ones or not but um there might be but i'm sure there's somebody's got it sure well why don't you tell us for people out there including myself who have never been lucky enough to try pure colombian that was verified how would you describe it in terms of the flavor and the effect the colombian red is really expansive it's uh, got a a real earthy taste it's a soaring high. Uh, what else could I say about it? Borderline, uh, see some sparkles, maybe some colors. Um, it's just a, 
it's a probably one of the best weeds. I mean, good Colombian is there's a lot of them out there. I mean, this I was lucky enough to get this. I mean, there's others that I'd like to acquire, but um, maybe they'll come. But that's that's about all I can say. Really, it's just a real, real uh, great sativa strain for the high. Not gonna make you fall asleep or any of that. That's beautiful. And how would you describe some of the traits that your Colombian red male imparts? Because I'm sure we're going to discuss a few of them specifically, but in general, what sort of aspects does it bring to hybrids it's used in? Um, well, um, the Colombian carried over into the SFB a little bit. Uh, there's some that's more so. They're you can see it in the buds, but the buds are not uh, airy by any means. This this Colombian is not an airy Colombian. It's uh, it's a little denser than the Swazi. Now the new Swazi, I don't know uh, the F five that I'm growing up. It might it's a little probably a little denser than the F two, but uh, the Colombian is uh, fairly dense for a sativa. It carries over on a lot of the crosses, the SFB some of the selections from the previous grow that I did had the structure of the Colombian, but it was dense, a little dense, whereas the SFB buds would be, you know, chunkier and this and that. Um, yeah, so it carries over. It's it's pretty dominant. Uh, um I'm going to do some more this year, probably too. So well, I'm going to be, I can't get enough working with that. I love that plant and I made a bunch of seeds. So I think at some point, maybe I'll release a little bit. I, I've never really released it. I, I actually, uh, I actually uh, traded Jaime some because he, we traded some really rare stuff that he doesn't normally let go um, that I can either talk about now or, later please yeah please fill us in uh there's one called uh golden voice have you ever heard of that no fill me in rare very rare it's uh it's a tie grown on one of the little islands off of thailand and this new connection that i made that i've been talking to knew exactly um where it came from because he was doing things over there. Um, it uh, Some say it could be uh, Cambodian or Lao, but he says no, so I've heard both. Um, long flowering. I am growing this year. I'm waiting. Uh, some people probably wonder, why didn't you grow that earlier? Um, I wanted to wait later to see if I could maybe get it to even throw some uh, early flowering uh, a little bit just to pollinate it. I don't care if it gets fully, I want the seeds to be fully matured, but I don't care if the the flower is fully mature. Um, I, I want to just preserve it and grow that out. It's supposedly extremely strong. I got one other friend that has it. I don't know if uh, Jaime ever let any of that go to anybody else, but they were extremely expensive. And 
we didn't do any of that. We just did a trade. Him and I, I was, I would have bought it if I, if he said, no, I want this for it. I would have paid for it because I've been looking for it for 30 years, probably maybe. Yeah. 30 years. Wow. Jesus. How did you, did you hear about it all those years ago? Oh, well, it, it came through here briefly in the seventies, just one time when the tie loads were coming in, the unties, the tie sticks, Buddha sticks, the hand pressed, light pressed blocks of tie. The golden voice came in and it was a super special tie. I thought at the time and they said it was, it's tie. And, uh, you know, I, this guy even sent his brother over there when he was in the, I think it was in the service or something. Yeah, make sure you go to this island and get that golden voice, get those seeds. And he did. So I, I'm going to find out a little more and I'm going to write up, uh, I, I'm going to do maybe a little write up on that particular strain and maybe post it. Because um, it's, it's like the Dolores. I mean, I'd, yeah, I, I wish I would be able to talk to the people that brought it in, but I mean, they're probably gone by now. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm going to look into that also. But, you know, people want to know, and then they, they get to the point where they're so old, and then the people die, or they get old and they forget. Like, you know, I'm forgetting stuff. I mean, you forget stuff, you know. You know you, you, the story's kind of obscure, you know, so you don't know. Well, I heard this, and I heard that, and well, you know, you can, you got to, I mean, it's it's nice to pin it down if you can. Yeah, wow. That's really interesting. I mean, while we're on the topic of sort of Southeast Asian varieties, one of our listeners wanted to ask if you could give us a bit of a backstory on your Burmese lines that went into making the Smuggler's Choice Burmese. Uh, um, the Burmese, I got, I actually got that from uh, Bodhi. Um he wasn't really using it, and uh, it turned out to be a great breeding tool. Um, it's got terpenes off the chart, just different flavors and and uh, and different things. And and uh, I think it originally came from uh, Reefer Man, if I if I remember properly. I'd have to ask Bodhi again. I think it was one of his uh, lines. It's it's a it's a beautiful plant to breed with. It can get uh, big, huge colas, big bulky plant, and then I I, I crossed that Smuggler's Choice with it, which was uh, I also got the Smuggler's Choice from uh, Classic Seeds, and it was a uh, on sticks. I guess Classic got them, and uh, he found out later he thought they were tie sticks, but they were from Burma. And, uh, and that's, you know, we came up with that name, Smuggler's Choice, which is a great, great name. I wish I was, I could just crank those things out, but that's a, a magnificent name, I think, anyway. Yeah, an incredible name. Cannot deny it. Cannot deny that at all. What sort of uh, smells and effects do you get out of the Burmese? Um, I got some bubble gum off it before, which I would like to find again. Hashy, kind of hashy. It's a, it's a, a real. Uh, if you didn't know better, it would be. It's, uh, you know, like it. The buds are are larger. Colas, they're real, fairly dense. Um, 
the leaves start off uh, wide and then they narrow out as uh, the plant matures, like like a lot do. Um, whereas the Swazi is skinny right off the bat. The leaves are real narrow. Um, that's what's so unique about all these different strains. Just amazing. Um, yeah, so that's a... Uh, you know, that's another one that I'd like to put out there more. I don't know if people, I never hear back from people, so I don't know whether they like it or not. Um, that's uh, why it's nice if you have people that can grow it out and actually give you a smoke report and a grow grow report. And um, these are something else that we're going to grow out at uh, Hayes Valley Nursery. Big up to Hayes Valley. Yeah, right on, right on. And look, how about I uh, jump to what you requested? So one of our Patreons has said, um, I grew some of the American Skunk Selection across Colombian last year, and the Terps were really sort of like a sweet gas and citrus mixture. It's yeah. been my favorite so far, and all my buddies have agreed. Have you experienced that yourself? Are they the normal sorts of flavors you get out of it? And I, uh, the, the ones I grew, they had some gas. That's one thing that I kind of liked out of it because everybody, you know, most of the uh, people, they like the gas. Um, um, yeah, it's uh, that's a killer collab, man. I mean, that's really got a lot of potential. I mean, there's going to be, you know, if you're wanting like a one-to-one -one or like no, you probably, I, I know there's going to be, I think there was one in there that basically had uh, THC low enough to where it could be hemp. <clears throat> that would be a killer uh, strain to work with some hemp, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I, I mean, while we're on the topic of gas quickly, I wanted to ask, was it a conscious choice on your part to breed the Colombian with these gas-heavy strains? Because I noticed you had the headband, you had the SFV, you had the motor breath. Do you feel that the Colombian just pairs well with these sort of chemi gassy strains, or was that just sort of coincidental? Um, well, I, I basically I don't know if it was a coincidence or not, but I wanted to do some breeding with uh, some of the newer strains. I mean, obviously the headband is not as new as some of these runts and all this other stuff they got out, but but. Uh, I wanted to uh, do a breeding to offer that uh, to uh, more of a mainstream uh, uh, clientele, I guess, if you could call them that, um, rather than just straight land. And, uh, you know, they, they uh, I, I was surprised that the gas came through there. It was, it was real. I was hoping for it. Um, that was my main thing on the SFV. If I could get the, if, if it could be a kind of a tight Colombian bud with the gas, like the SFV, boy, that'd be nice. And I, I have some, so that worked out. The motor breath, um, I only had a couple plants because uh, I, I didn't have any room to grow it. They're gorgeous, huge buds, beautiful buds, but not much, uh, not much smell. Those need to be. Uh, looked into more too because motor breath is supposed to be pretty strong right yeah yeah i don't know if uh, people still want that or not i have to ask ask around if they do i'll pursue it otherwise i'm 
go on to other things. Structure was real nice. Uh, my SFB plant and the headband were smaller plants. I got them later on. They were cuts. Um, I never have uh, used uh, fire OG. Guy, one of my buddies, uh, yeah, he likes the fire more than uh, the SFB, I believe. Golden Coast is a good friend of mine. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I, I look, I'd heard that the fire was probably the most potent, um, but I think a lot of people like the flavor of the SFV. Yeah, I think that what I had heard was didn't really produce all that much. I noticed that the, I don't know if it's, they're not, the plants are normally that small or what, but um, I don't have any experience growing any OGs. I never, that was the first time I grew those. The headband, uh, uh, first time I smoked that, I, I was with Bam when we were going up to the, the Emerald Cup, and I just got completely ripped on that. God, I got stoned. Too stoned to be driving, really. I have to say that. <laughs> I had the vice grip on the steering wheel, and I, I'm just concentrating on driving and uh, focusing on the road, and Bam sitting next to me laughing, and I go, what the fuck are you laughing at? Oh, man, you are so ripped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I thought, well, that's the one I mentioned to, to Ryan. Yeah, I'd like to cross that headband, Colombians. That actually turned out really nice, too. Um, yeah, those, uh, you know, the back onto that, uh, we can skip back into the, doing some clones and stuff. The American Skunk... Uh, Hibiscus Thai, the Irene Colombian, uh, SFV, uh, Anta Farouk. I'm going to run all those to see if we can find some nice uh, top shelf um, cuts. And, uh, you know, I, some a lot of people don't want to pull with uh, seeds. I mean, some like it. I love pulling with them. I mean... I don't really, uh, uh, I'm not real keen on taking cuts nowadays from elsewhere because of this uh, virus that's going around that's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have it over there? Not as far as I know. I think that because uh, as far as I know, there aren't really any American cuttings that have made their way to Australia. I think oh, we've good. been able to exclude it, but. You do hear reports about apparently seeds can carry the virus. So, I mean, gosh, it might just be a ticking time bomb, honestly. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, you don't know. I mean, I, 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 from what I've read, it's a small percent, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a bad one. That you got a lot of bad viruses out there. Yeah. And I have to imagine it might just get worse. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to get into any conspiracy theories or not, but I, I don't know, man. Where's all this shit come from? I remember when I worked uh, alfalfa seed research in Woodland, uh, the tobacco mosaic was real. Uh, the, the the alfalfa plants were real susceptible to that. So you couldn't, nobody that smoked cigarettes could go in the, my greenhouse where I was doing my pollinations. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, a lot of people smoked out there. The the people that were doing the vegetable seed, uh, a lot of the the hard wheat, the red wheat, triticale, barley. Those guys, some of those guys smoked. And if you smoke and you touch your plants, that 
to a plant that's susceptible, it's contaminated. Well, you're, you know, you're, it's like, there you go. You got it right there. Mm. Yeah, I had heard that. And I, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be surprised that people that smoke cigarettes, it's affecting the weed too. Yeah. Yeah. I'd heard of tobacco mosaic spreading, um, from touching and in more importantly from people, um, ashing a cigarette into i'd heard a story about a guy who would walk around his greenhouse and would just you know ash the cigarette into the pot thinking oh you know it's just it's whatever but i've heard it can pass through that pretty easily yeah there you go we'll all have to keep our eyes on the lookout i I just had a few last questions before we get into the final ones and one thing i wanted to quickly ask you was you seem to have hit a real successful formula combining new world genetics with old world genetics, like the ones we've been talking about, you know, some of the OGs with the Colombians. Do you think this formula will continue on? Can we expect to see some cool continuations of the old world meets new world? Hopefully. Um, um, I, I wouldn't mind uh, working with some um, newer genetics and... Uh, yeah, yeah, and then the ones that I have now, I'm I'm gonna probably uh, keep working with those and doing selections with those. Um, yeah, because it seemed like they they did well actually. The few that I worked with, one thing is, I mean, like the hibiscus type, I wasn't real keen on it. I liked the smell and the structure was really good. The buds were a little airy. That's why I mentioned earlier I was a little. I don't know if I'm going to release this. I don't wouldn't really have a real good bag appeal. And then I saw uh, some of my gear out at uh, Hayes Valley, and I went, "Wow, these look nice." And I changed my mind. Well, I just have to go out there and look for them now. Certainly, certainly. I wanted to quickly ask you the Swazi. This is one where you know you you mentioned it earlier, but we don't hear too much about it. I wanted to know, is it similar to the Durban at all, or is it, like, totally different? It's different than the Durban that I have. Um, I have a Durban land race. It's not a Durban poison. <clears throat> Those buds are, they're more on a, uh, you know, I, they're a bigger bud. They're not like a Burmese bud or anything, but they're they're bigger than, uh, let's see, what would I compare it to? Um. I can't, I can't think of what I compare it to right now, but they're not a real uh, um, spindly, skinny little sativa bud. They're fairly nice. They're not super dense, but they're larger. Um, and uh, yeah, they're uh, the Swazi. I'm, I'm anxious to try that. I'm, I'm, see how they do this year. They look a little different, the F5s to the F2s. I still like the F2s, and I'm probably still going to work with them. Yes. So, the, yeah, the Durban would be a little denser flower than the Swazi. Oh, wow. The Swazi is a real uplifting, wiry, daytime smoke. I mean, I don't, I have a couple hits. I mean, I don't do a whole joint anymore. I'm, I don't, I'm not a heavy smoker. But the times that I do try stuff like that, I mean, if I, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh, Snow High gave me some uh, a cut here. What was that last couple of years ago? Oh, that was a talk about smoking too much. It was a Acapulco Gold cut 
man, that shit was like caffeine, man. It was too wiry. I spoke too much. That was real wiry. This is not that like like that. And then he had told me, he says, "Yeah, it can get like that. It can be, it can be overwhelming. I mean, if somebody inexperienced smokes that, you're going to get the heart rate, and they're going to go, what the hell, man? I don't know about this. It's uncomfortable. It's not <laughs> a pleasant uh, experience. Um, so." Yeah, I mean, you know, some of that stuff you have to do moderation on it like, like anything. Wow, that is incredible sounding. I definitely want to give that a go myself. On a similar, you know, racy uplifting strain, I noticed that you had bred with the Cali Mist. Can you give us a little bit of info about what the female that you bred with was like in terms of smells and effects? Um, you know, that's an interesting uh, question. That's another one that I'm going to be germinating this year i sent that off to hawaii to get evaluated years ago after i first read it and i didn't get any response so i kind of put it on hold um i didn't get a good report you know it was it was good bad i mean yeah, yeah it was good well what about oh oh it's been a while and i haven't you know i had a chance to blah blah you know it just wasn't a, wasn't what i was expecting so i'm going to evaluate it myself so I have a, uh, I mean, it was such an iconic strain, the uh, Cali Mist. Uh, I did hold some packs back. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'd like to get more feedback. I mean, even if someone grows some of my genetics and, well, man, you know, I didn't particularly like that at all. Oh, okay. Well, what didn't you like about it? Uh, da, da, da. I'm, I'm all good with, I like constructive criticism. just makes me makes me uh, think on a, you know, what I need to do to improve it. So I don't know. I'm, I, I, uh, I'm going to be growing that too. That's another one on the list. <laughs> We're getting a pretty good list going here. I was about to say, we keep adding to it, don't we? That's, that's cool. Uh, one of the last questions before we do our quick final five questions to wrap things up. What are some of your favorite lines you offer? And more specifically, if there was a listener out there who thought, you know what, I want to give Coastal Seeds a go, but I don't really know what to pick. What are one or two lines you feel you could recommend to just about anyone and they're going to have a good experience? Uh, quite a few, actually. There's the Kona Gold tie. Um, I read that last year. Quiet Electric tie. Maui Wowie tie. Irene Colombian, uh, the Zihuatanejo tie, Big Sur Colombian, Adam, that that's good. Um, I have quite a few actually. Smuggler's Choice, Kawhi Electric Afghan number one. Um, uh, quite a few that I'd recommend. Wow, that is a really diverse and cool mixture of strains for sure. I think with that. We might need to do our final five quickly. So the first question as we wrap things up, what is the single most memorable experience with cannabis you've ever had? So it doesn't necessarily need to be like the strongest weed you've ever smoked, but just like something where it really left a lasting memorable impact on you for whatever reason. Uh, let's see. Well, um, tie sticks, of course. I mean, that's still right in the in my mind um 
some Vietnamese that I got uh, that was uh, looked like shake. There's no buds there. I buddy brought me. I went over to his house and I. He says, "Oh, I got the Vietnamese." And I said, "Oh, let me look at it." And I go. He had a gallon baggie there, and it's just shake. What this man? I mean, he said, "Well, they they took all the seeds out." And you're kidding me? God, they destroyed it. I don't want that. And he's no, no. You need to smell it. So I opened it up and smelled it. You know, I don't know. I mean, to me, the pungent smell was, uh, that's a tough one. Similar to Thai, any of the uh, Asian ones over there, it was just, the problem is it was just, that was 1960, what was that, eight or nine? Yeah, I, I mean, that was memorable. I mean, as far as uh, the the high was good, similar to Thai. Uh, if you ask me what it tastes like, I horrible. I can't really remember. Isn't that pathetic? Can't remember the taste. It was very memorable, though. Uh, um, what else? The the Nayarit, Mexican, Zacatecas was real memorable you know some of the Oaxacan was memorable oh actually I, I grew one uh, I, I grew a Mazar Sharif one year and it finished in the backyard that was real memorable I normally can't grow that because it molds I don't know we just had a perfect year it was like 15 years ago I just got some more seeds of that from my friend but I'd sure like to be able to finish one of those Wow. Uh, yeah, that's probably, those are probably the memorable ones, I guess, off the top of my head. That's incredible. And I was going to say, when you said, you know, you forget the, the flavor, I, I, I don't think anyone's going to, you know, hold you to it. You have likely forgotten more cannabis strains than we've ever smoked. So I, I think that given the, the vast longitude of your relationship with cannabis, no one's going to hold you to blame there. But on the other end of the spectrum, I would love to ask you, what is a strain that you were really excited to try? Maybe your friends had hyped it up. And then when you finally tried it, you were like, oh, is that it? Well, I really didn't want to try the. I mean, I I was given these and they're all popular. I was not impressed. I'm going to probably get hacked on this for sure. But people go, yeah, what's wrong with that guy? I never, I didn't really like the runts. Never thought they ever didn't do much for me at all. Um, cheetah piss, a neighbor of mine bred that. I liked that. Um, some that I wanted to try. Eh. Mm. You got me, got me on that one. I think that's a good answer, right? Because it means you've always been pretty happy with what you tried. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That's great. Well, on to our next one. If someone had to start a company with one single pack of seeds from Coastal, what do you think would be a good starting point? What's something that's got a lot to offer from a breeding perspective? Boy, you're giving me some toughies, man. Uh, probably off the top, my Colombian probably would be one. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, yeah, my Colombian red, maybe... Uh, to start a seed company well i don't know that's that's a that's kind of a 
that would be a, a problem for most people, I think. I don't know. You know, you could start a seed company with uh, it's kind of a multifaceted question. You could start a seed company with land race based, or you could start a seed company with your flavors of the month. I mean, I guess it, it kind of depends on uh, uh, what you're looking for in your company. What do you want to do? You want to do what the masses want, or do you want to? start a company that's different and unique that a lot of people don't have or you could like i did on a couple of mine you could do a combo i don't know that's a tough one kind of depends on which way you want to go. i haven't been asked that question that's a that's a real good one i'm gonna have to think about that later on <laughs> glad we could do it all right on to our final question for the interview i rock up to your house I've got a time machine with me. I tell you, you can go anywhere throughout all of time, anywhere around the world, presumably to collect either a clone or some seed stock. What period of time and where are you going to go and what do you hope to collect? Um, <clears throat> a few things. Uh, maybe some, uh, some of that early Afghanis where the hash, the hash came from, the Brotherhood stuff. Yeah, I need to. I, I mean, I don't even really know where those came from. If they were coming from uh, getting anything from Mazar Sharif or uh, where Helmand province, or I think probably more than likely that wherever the hippie trail was going, that's where they went, wherever that was. Um, some Thai, maybe a, a really, really, really rare Indonesian strain, Aceh. I don't know how to, how to say that. There's a real rare strain over there. There's a real strain over there that's uh, it's very rare. And well, I mean, they you don't even want to mention marijuana over there, so it's 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 hard to get. That would be one. Hmm. What else? Oh, I mean, you know, I, I Lebanese. I mean, you know, uh, there's a there's a uh, many places. I guess and the main main ones probably would be uh, probably. Thai, Colombian, Afghani, I guess. Gorgeous. And some incredible building blocks there, I think. No doubt you're going to have some success going forward with those. I think that just about brings us to the end of this chat today. Did you have any general comments or shout-outs you wanted to make? Uh, yeah, we could chat afterwards after we get uh, uh, done recording a little bit. i got a couple questions for you. And then... Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead, and then we can talk uh, after that, I guess. No, I don't really have any questions, I guess. Yeah, perfect. Well, as always, a massive thank you to the man behind Coastal Seeds, the land race lover, equatorial enthusiast, and the old school sativa Santa Cruz head, Kagyu of Coastal Seeds. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Quite a nice, brother. We're done. And there you have it, my friends. What a killer episode. A massive shout-out to Kagyu for joining us on the show. And a huge shout-out to you for making it to the end. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting our fantastic sponsors. By supporting them, you help support us. CT Now, number one seed bank in the industry, 
all the best breeders, the hottest drops, and a guarantee on satisfaction, not just germination. You've heard me say it a million times, guys. Why would you go anywhere else? Go grab yourself some Heavy Days Genetics. You will not be disappointed. They only stock the cream of the crop. Likewise, if you want to be producing the cream of the crop, you've got to check out Pulse Sensors. These guys will help you dial in your room, whether it's a single tent, a single room, or a multi-state operation. There are parameters you may not be aware are not optimized. Through doing so, you can increase your resin, terps, cannabinoids, yield, everything you need to make your next crop the best to date. It's time to get serious, guys. Get a pulse. A massive shout out, as always, to our good friends at Copet. These guys are the world leaders in pest and predation technology. If you're battling spider mice, check out the Spidex Vital Plus. Now coming with special release sachets so that you don't have to spread a medium over your garden and instead you just let the predators crawl out from the sacks that you hang on the plants. Truly another game changer from the world leaders. Trust me guys, you don't want to have to go up against a spider mite infestation without having adequate predators on hand. These are truly the best predators in the game. Try it once, I promise you'll see the quality. Massive shout out to Copet. We appreciate you guys so, so, so much. Thank you for all the support. Likewise, huge shout out to our newest sponsors, Dynavac. You know them, you love them. I've been harping on about how good the M series is for a long time. Truly, help me get off bongs. If you're trying to become more health conscious of your smoking habits and transition to vaping, I cannot recommend Dynavap enough. It is not battery dependent. It is incredible engineering, designed and owned in America. What more could you want, guys? Delivering the upfront potency, flavor, and massive, massive effects that you might expect from a bong, all in a much healthier vaporized option. You all know I'm a huge organic fanatic, and for that reason, I would love for you to give Organics Alive a try. No matter what your level of expertise is, Organics Alive have some fantastic products that are going to improve your toolkit if you include them in the arsenal. Whether you're in veg, transitioning, fully in bloom, Organics Alive have got what you need to produce award-winning crops. And I'm not just saying that. They've literally been winning awards through the use of their products, including home grower categories in various cannabis cups around America. What more of a testament do you want? People like you, at home, listening, winning cups with their products. Proof's in the pudding, guys. Organics Alive, huge shout-out. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. And last but not least, a massive thank you to the Patreon gang. Truly the lifeblood of the show. We could not make episodes happen without your ongoing support. We give away genetics every fortnight. We do Discord smoke with heavy sessions. We have unheard content, early access to upcoming episodes, and we give away unreleased seed lines from breeders who have been on the show, including the likes of Crickets and Cicada and many more. If you're interested, www.patreon.com forward slash the podcast. We would love to have you part of the crew. If you're interested in seeing episodes continue, please go check it out. And that'll just about do it for this one, my friends. A massive thank you for making it to the end. And we'll see you for the next one. See you.